It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That crazy starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Many fruits are not afraid. I have a machine, listen to yourself, the world, but it don't need something to your own head. Beat it up and I've seen got no seats. The ladder from the platter with the fear fight down. Like fire in a fire, with the system of the gang, the government for hiring the combat site. But you wasn't coming in a hurry, but you're eating it down your neck. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. This is the hour of doom. I'm, and I mean it. You do? I do. But what if I think it's the hour of bloom? Well, we'll have to have a intellectual discussion. As I to... win. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, you do. I win. <laughs> Most of the time. I am the victor. You are indeed the victor. <laughs> Welcome, friends and neighbors, to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour, a titanic trek of temerity in a timid world. I'm Joe Alton, MD, also known as Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net. Boy, I'm not talking too well today. That's all right. Doomandbloom.net, where you'll find over 900, closing in on 1,000 really, post videos and podcasts on medical preparedness for any disaster. And I'm Amy Alton, also known as the chauffeur. The chauffeur, yes. Chauffeur. Today you drove me about 600 miles. <laughs> All the way from Georgia down I, to our lovely home. And from folks, our, yes, go ahead. with no stop, we woke up in Georgia, got in the car with a cup of coffee, and I did not stop until we reached West Broward County, which is west of Fort Lauderdale. No pee break, no food. Actually, we still haven't eaten, <laughs> by the way. No, that's right. <laughs> just trying to get this... Podcast a, done though. We're it, almost. At, it's three thirty-eight p.m., but that's oh. okay. You know what? Food is not important. What's important is that we get our information to you folks, so that you can stay healthy. I am again, Who are you? Amy Alton. Who's all this I did say Amy Alton. Pontificating. I did say Amy Alton, but I am an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. And the woman with the most urinary fortitude. <laughs> That I think my kidney anybody could possibly my kidney have. started hurting. I'm like, oh, no. are my are my eyes yellow? We're actually <laughs> going to talk about eyes a little later. Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, we are the dynamic duo. We are the prodigious pair, and we are, well, the folks that are going to help you keep it together, even if everything else falls apart. What if we fall apart? We are falling apart, but <laughs> luckily on a slow... It's been a long two days. Yeah, there you go. Oh, my gosh. Friends and neighbors, yes. have you been injured in an accident with a willful wallaby? Well, our attorney says, don't call me. Call Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy and listen to this. All information given and opinions voiced on Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medicine Hour 
are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. No contract or patient-provider relationship exists or is implied between the hosts and listeners. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern, please, and standard, yes, medical care whenever and wherever it is available. That's right. Don't listen to a thing we say, she says. (laughs) Well... Not exactly, but okay, yes, we'll go with that. But in a disaster, if you've got That's more true. sense than God gave a box of uh, crickets. How about, I like the, <laughs> I still like the clam. Box of rocks? Was oh. that from Fargo? <laughs> yes, that was. That boy is dumber. Listen, no, that boy has. Doesn't have has, the sense that God gave a clam. God gave a clam. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> there was another one, too. What was the other saying? A uh, box of frogs. Box of frogs. Dumb as a box of frogs. There it is. <laughs> we like Fargo. Or a box of rocks. Anyway. <laughs> Fargo's funny. So, anyhow, if you've got more sense than a barrel of crickets, you should learn what to do for injuries and illness in times of trouble. And while you're at it, get some supplies and a medical kit to go along with all that knowledge. And what better place to get it than the lovely Nurse Amy's entire line of often imitated, never equaled medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. They are there to help you handle medical problems when the poop hits a propeller, when the you-know-what hits the fan. <laughs> and they're designed, indeed, by a doctor. That's me. And? and a, an advanced registered nurse practitioner. But mostly that's an advanced her. registered nurse practitioner. Uh, that's, that's right. I will <laughs> give you full credit. But remember, you're the talent. Oh, and you're the pretty face. No, I'm the brains. Oh, you're the brains, and I'm the pretty face. There wow. You go. Well, that's no, problem for let, the let's clear pretty this up. face crowd. You're the talent. I'm definitely words, lowering the average. You write, there. and you're doing most of the videos, and I'm the brains behind the development and keeping the business running. By the way, I don't know why so I'm enough... doing. Why am I doing all the videos? Oh. Because you should be doing all the videos. You, I am the face made Someday. for radio. You are the oh, pretty lady that everybody wants Every to see. Every once in a while, I did do, I did do an interview with Canadian Prepper, and who's the other YouTuber we just Black did Scout it? Survival. No, no, no. Jack we haven't done his yet. City Prepper. City Prepping. City Prepping. Okay. City Prepping. Yep. So, so I, I have helped. Yeah, but you should do all of them. My goodness gracious. Well, anyhow, I just wanted to say about our kits before we go on to other things. Compare our kits for contents, quality, and cost with anybody else's stuff. Or talk to anyone who's ever bought one of our kits. You know what? You're going to agree. Our kits are the ones that you're going to have, going to want to have, in your medical storage. Oh, and by the way, if you don't believe us... I have a testimonials page. Oh, you do. And I swear on my life, no from swearing, whomever lady. you believe is above us, folks, because I will not put my beliefs on anyone else, that those are 100% straight from the people who wrote them who bought our products. Absolutely. What? Testimonials. Oh, testimonials. Yeah, yep. you have. we have an entire page of testimonials, 100%, I think. 100%. I will stake my life on it. There is not one word that has not come directly from a customer or someone who had an experience with us. If they talk about a class they took, that person actually took our class for real. 
Well, I a think lot of people can't say that. You know what's they happening? Can find that, where they can find that at store.doomandbloom.net. Yep. And you then the testimonials page. Okay. Absolutely. All right. There so are a lot of people, people who are creating stores and businesses and they're faking their stuff. Oh, no. I know. It's terrible. It's terrible. I won't do that. If somebody says something, whatever they say, they say. That's it. It's That's their opinion. Right. There you go. Hey, give us a ring, ding-a-ling. <laughs> We learn as much from you as you do from us. That is obvious. So why not connect with us? It's easy. Here's a lovely nurse, Amy, to tell you how. Absolutely. You can email us anytime. Feel free. At drbonespodcast at aol.com. Find us on Facebook at our group, Survival Medicine, Dr. Bones, and Nurse Amy. Hey, the activities of daily survival, like making repairs, chopping wood, all sorts of stuff that you may not do necessarily on a daily basis, but you probably would have to do, and with some physical exertion after some kind of disaster happens, well, they could easily cause injuries to one of the most sensitive organs that you have, and that is your eye. And you're going to regret it if you don't have a good pair of goggles or other eye protection as part of your supplies. Now, there are various eye issues that the survival medic is going to encounter in a grid-down situation. And, of course, trauma to the eye is just one of them. But think about it. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. If you can put together enough eyewear for whoever is going to be doing the heavy lifting and doing the hard work around there, being outside and being exposed to things that could cause injuries, well, you're going to save yourself a lot of headaches and maybe a little heartache if somebody winds up losing an eye. It's all fun and games before this, <laughs> until somebody loses an eye, as they say. The most common of the minor medical problems that you're going to see with regards to the eye is going to be something like conjunctivitis, I would think. A conjunctivitis is also known as pink eye, and it's an inflammation which causes the effective eye, affected eye to become red and sort of itchy, and many times you'll see a discharge, a sort of milky, uh, yucky looking discharge coming from the eye may be most noticeable in the corners of the eye. It can be caused by chemical irritation. Soap in your eyes, for example, can cause irritation in your eye. Conjunctivitis just means inflammation of the conjunctiva or the um, main part of the eye. Uh, it could be caused by a foreign object in the eye. It could be uh, an allergy or it could be due to an infection. Now, one of those infections is pink eye, and pink eye is highly contagious, especially among children, because they spend a lot of time just rubbing their eyes and commonly touch their faces and eyes with their often dirty hands throughout the day. It's almost impossible to get them to stop. Now, just take a look at any one of your younger family members for about a half hour. You'll see that this is true. Now, irrit irritated red eyes and tears, they could also be seen in allergic reactions, and these can be treated by oral antihistamines like diphenhydramine, Benadryl, or antihistamine eye drops. You might consider having some of those in your supplies. Eye allergies, by the way, can be differentiated from eye infections. They're less likely to have a milky discharge associated with them. Allergies, that is, less likely to have a milky discharge associated with them. And you might see more swelling in the extreme cases of allergies. Of course, you need a preventative strategy and things to do, precautions that will help avoid spreading germs that can cause eye infections. That's very important. One of them, of course, is having eye protection, which can prevent trauma and also can prevent 
eyes being touched or eyes being contaminated with something that can cause an infection. If you have eye drops, of course, you don't want to share them with others. If you can help it, at, if you can at all help it, and when you use, by the way, eye drops, don't touch the tip of the bottle with your hands or your eyes because that's going to contaminate it with germs. You want to keep the bottle, by the way, about three inches above your eye when you are actually applying the eye drop. So that's something that's also important. The closer that your that the uh, dropper gets to the infected eye, the more likely it will contaminate it with germs and cause infections for others or continue having an infection yourself. If you use eye makeup, don't share that with others. That should be a personal product. Uh, never use contact lenses in such a fashion that you clean them with your mouth. Some people put contact lenses in their mouth to wet them. That is a big mistake because, gosh, can you imagine how many bacteria and even viruses might be in your mouth? That They're just natural inhabitants in your mouth. Well, they're not supposed to be in your eye. And even the virus that causes cold sores, these are present in your mouth, could easily spread to your eyes if you use this very unsanitary way of cleaning your contacts. Speaking of contacts, change them often. The longer they stay in your eye, the more chance your eye can get infected. In the worst cases, it even develops ulcers in the cornea, which can actually affect your vision. That is bad news, so that's something you don't want to do. Of course, washing your hands regularly goes a long way to preventing all sorts of infections, and that goes for eye infections as well. It's very, very important to make sure that you're always washing your hands because you're touching your eyes too, I'm sure, with your hands without even thinking about it. If you do have um, an eye doctor in normal times, of course, you want to ask them and see if they have any samples of medicated eye drops to give you in case of an emergency. A lot of these guys wind up getting a lot of samples. These samples last only a, a certain period of time in their mind. Of course, we've talked about exp expiration dates before. Um, they may not be as potent if they're expired, but they're very rarely anything that will cause damage to you. So consider having some medicated eye drops samples given to you if, if he has them or she has them and keep them around. Of course, if you can get fresh supplies, get fresh supplies, but uh, from a, an expired date standpoint, don't throw them away. Keep them around. Uh, antibiotics like doxycycline, 100 milligrams twice a day for a week. That's something that is a pretty good thing for infected eyes. Uh, conjunctivitis can be treated with that. may not even need to use it for a week if you have significant relief. If you're back to normal before then, you probably can stop them. One of the few times that I say that you should not, that you don't have to absolutely complete the entire course of therapy. Of course, if you've got the antibiotics, it's not a bad idea. Herbal treatment may also be a benefit. There are a number of different ways to treat pink eye using natural products. So you might consider picking one of the following methods. Let's say a wet golden seal or chamomile tea bag. Put that to the eye, the closed effect, affected eye, for about 10 minutes every two hours. That's something. Uh, you can make uh, a tea of eyebright. Eyebright, yep, sure enough. Euphrasia officinalis is something specifically used for that. Uh, you make a tea out of it. You let it cool. Use the liquid as an eye, eye wash using an eye cup. By the way, you should have an eye cup as part of your medical supplies. You would do this about three to four times daily. 
Uh, one teaspoon of baking soda and two cups of cool water is thought to be a reasonable eyewash solution, as is a small amount of honey in one cup of hot water. Let it cool, and then you can consider using that as an eyewash. Speaking of yeah. honey... Yes. Your honey's here. Yes, honey. Hi, Hi honey. honey. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm so good. glad you're here. Boy, it's tough when you first get home after a long trip. <laughs> yep, that's right. I'll tell you, you got to unpack. You got to do a lot of stuff, and I, lots of organization. I appreciate. Or I should say reorganization. Appreciate all your all your help. <laughs> you're very welcome. Thank you for doing some of the show. Awesome Ab- sauce. Absolutely. Well, you know, of course, using tea or baking soda liquid or honey solution on. Um, a gauze or a cloth is just as fine as using it as an a eye wash to squirt in your eyes. So if you're more comfortable using it as a compress, then go ahead, apply a compress to the affected eye for about 10 minutes every couple of hours. Now, some people like a slice of cucumber over the eyes. I mean, you, you cannot deny that it has cooling action. Cool as a cucumber, as they say. <laughs> so it may be helpful to get rid of some of the discomfort. Now, another common eye issue that we talk about is a sty. And a sty is essentially a pimple that is formed on the eyelid and causes redness and swelling, generally uncomfortable to have one. And many people feel it's very unsightly. So well, you have to do something. Well, because it looks like a pimple on your eye. Yeah. Or on your eye. Right. And it gets red, too, and, and irritated. Yeah, so. they can be quite painful, especially if they're a little bit on the inner lid mm. rather than closer to your eyelashes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. So that's something that's definitely an issue uh, if you have... Uh, Antibiotic eye drop solution, something like Toberdex, T-O-B-R-I-D-E-X. Ask your doctor if he happens to have some samples of that. Uh, that might be useful. Of course, this infection has a general tendency to just resolve on its own, especially with some warm compresses to the area. It may take a few days, but it's not something that usually turns out to be anything really really bad and of course you can use any of the eye washes that I mentioned just a couple of seconds ago. I will say that you will get relief from the discomfort when it pops. Oh yeah. I'm not telling folks to go out and stick a pin near their eyeball because that's quite dangerous but these compresses that you're talking about will probably help it come to a head and if you can just do a little gentle squeeze it just there's something about the pressure of the pus inside that really hurts and a lot of people will feel better now you still need to do the eye soaks and I think some of the eye soaks you were mentioning before would be helpful for uh, relief of irritation so it might be useful in in this case also absolutely and you know I have to tell you with regards to the eye and so many other parts of the human body it's such a miracle of divine engineering I mean the confirmation of your skull is such that your eyes are or just slightly recessed in these bony sockets, like like some armor. Absolutely, which is pretty amazing. Your eyes don't pop up on off the up the top of your head <laughs> like a frog or I know, a toad. Right? That's true. Know? That's true. It's, it, it was a good creation. And so I, I smart was, thinking. There. I will say one thing: it would be nice if children would have a little extra armor on their bodies, which they could shed once they're 18 and they're leaving yes. your, your home. Right. Maybe right. on their arms, so they don't break their arms and their elbows. A lot of pop right. shoulders if, if it's right. a boy. They just yeah, maybe when, fall they're out se- of tree. maybe when they're 17, like the 17 years cicada. They can just shed that armor <laughs> and shed go the about their right. way, <laughs> having been fully protected as a child from drops and falls and injuries. Oh, if only, if only. <laughs> I could, like have, a I could have used bubble that. protection. I could certainly have used that. 
Yeah, I, I hurt myself a few times. So anyhow, we've got to think about some injuries here. Let's let's mm -hmm. talk about some of the ways that you can injure your, eye, in your eyes and how eye protection will really help. Accidents while you're using tools, splatter from bleach or household chemicals, a splatter from grease for when you're cooking, let's say. Uh, hedge clippers, lawnmowers, they spit out. You know, let's say oh, a piece debris, of absolutely. chip of wood rocks, or something. Sure. Ch chopping wood would do it. Oh, we mentioned of, that. Of rocks flying, we had a rock just fly into our car. Right into the windshield. Oh. It's made a nice chip bullet hole there. Yeah, almost, it does. Almost it a looks bullet just like a didn't bullet go all the, Didn't go all the way through. Thank but goodness, because it was right at my face. Yep. That was so scary. We've gone right through your but things pretty fly. little skull. Unexpectedly, things fly around, like you said, especially when you're on a lawnmower. Yes. So don't play near when your father is mowing the lawn. Yeah, don't play near him. If you're a child. Him, yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Stay I don't away. Know. I don't think our demographic is mostly children, though. <laughs> yes, well. But we could be Dr. Bones and Nurse, Nurse Amy's. People can listen. Survival Street. Any age. Like Sesame Street. <laughs> you know, somebody asked us during our class on Saturday if we would be interested in teaching children oh. first aid. Well, we certainly I could do that. that was that. really... We could make it fun. You know, it would be, I would say, closer to like a Boy Scout right. education. Well, they do but a great job. But for everybody, instead of just boys, include girls. Because girls need to know this stuff, too. Absolutely. I think you can be a girl and boy join the Boy Scouts now. Seriously? I think so. But wait, we were just at a huge Boy Scout... What was that like? A that gathering? Right. Well, there were girls there. Your nephews were there. Your Eagle Scout, Scout so. nephew and your mm -hmm. Boy Scout nephew, the uh -huh. two of them. But did you see girls? I don't remember seeing. Yeah, there girls. were girls there, really? but I think they were in their own their group. own group. Yeah. Oh no, those were Girl Scouts. The mm -hmm. ones on the other side. Right. Those were actual Girl Scouts. So it's hard to say, but in either case, both things are awesome. To both ways are awesome yes. to learn first aid. And so if you do have kids, get them in scouting because this is how oh, they'll absolutely. learn this and a lot of other good skills. Good life skills. Absolutely. And you can make good friends there too. Right. And remember to have eye protection. I mentioned goggles. Mm -hmm. I mentioned uh, other ways to protect your eyes. But this is something that's that's very important. But despite this, despite this, it's going to be likely you'll come across an eye injury at one point or another. We just talked about eye infections. But... The most important thing to do when anyone presents to you with eye pain is to look for an injury. A foreign object, that's probably the most likely cause of the problem. It's up to you to, to find it. So if you use, uh, let's say, a moist cotton swab mm -hmm. to sort of lift and evert the eyelid. The everting the eyelid just means sort of turning it inside out. I mean, not the entire eyelid, just <laughs> the tip. That's what kids do to scare yeah, each other I know, in grade right. school. Ah. Hey, look! <laughs> they tape Susie, their, look! Right, they tape their eyelids uh, everted. Yes. So anyhow, if the more you can do that, by the way, the more you can effectively examine the area and take a look and see what it is. It could be just a piece of dirt or could could be just about anything. Uh, uh, some water can be used as irrigation to flush out the foreign object or any of the other eye washes that we just mentioned. And sometimes just touching the area lightly with a Q-tip will dislodge it. Now, of course, you do have a nerves. Wet, a wet Q-tip is right. better, yeah. Wet Q-tip's good. And... You have to realize that your cornea, 
the area over the color part of your eye, the covering of that, is has nerves. It's tender. It can't mm -hmm. can't hurt. So you <clears throat> easily scratched too. Right. The slight, even an eyelash. If you get an eyelash in your eye and you start rubbing your upper lid with your eye closed, you could actually cause that eyelash to scratch your cornea. So it doesn't even take a foreign object in your eye. Something that's you know naturally near your eye could fall in there. So be careful if you feel something in your eye. Don't start rubbing it real hard because a scratch cornea is very irritating. Now right. your eye You'll heals. have a tendency to want to do that yeah. too. So just try not to. Try not to, to start rubbing your eyes because if there is some object underneath your eyelid, all you're doing is pushing it back and forth. And a scratch cornea is pretty painful and extremely irritating and it takes I'd say a, a good 24 hours usually, or at least a, a good night's sleep before you could wake up and, and feel a little better. Exactly, sure. It takes a while for it to heal. It'll feel, yeah. and it'll feel like sand in your eyes in Gritty. the meantime. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Well, it'll, well, it actually feels like the object's still in your eye, right. which makes you even want to rub your eye more, which is where iPads come in. Right. Yes, exactly. So if you can eye patch. keep the eye right, <laughs> like keep pirate. the eye closed with an with an eye patch. There are lots lots of iPads. We have them in a lot of our mm -hmm. kits, um, and just sort of tape that in place or or bandage that in place. Or um, possibly a a more secure situation is using an ace bandage or even a triangular bandage or one of our SWAT tourniquets. Something that's that's a little bit stretchy might help you hold that eye patch in place and then you don't have to tape the skin on the face. Yes, that's uh, that would be a good thing. It doesn't really take a lot of pressure to keep no. the eye closed. So, I mean, you don't apply a lot of pressure. Yeah, you know, we're not definitely. talking about a compression dressing here. We're, ta we're just talking about something to hold it in place. Any kind of even roller gauze, right. some long Right, would long be gauze. that would that would yeah. work perfectly fine. Something you don't have to tape the skin. Yeah, so these are all these are all things that you'll find in our kits and probably in a lot of other kits yeah, as but well. The key as to what you're saying is you don't want to keep rubbing over this. Right. And by the way, if you have wearing contact lenses, you're especially at oh, risk yeah. for this. So just be very careful. Now if you're going to deal with a corneal abrasion, you decided it's that, that there's not a foreign object, that there's not an infection, then you're going to clean the eye out with water or any kind of eye wash uh, that we mentioned or before saline. using a tea or a saline solution. Oh, your homemade saline yes, solution would yes, be good. Exactly right. You can make your homemade saline solutions with a pot and a lid and uh, just put a couple of teaspoons of salt in a, about a liter of water and go ahead and boil that for about 15 minutes and let it cool with the lid in place and once that water is cooled off then it would be perfectly fine to use as, as uh, an eye wash absolutely. absolutely perfect you might as well make your own super easy uh, ibuprofen for pain relief would be a good uh, a good idea mm -hmm. so i think that that's very useful and like i said usually this heals pretty easily over Thank the course goodness. of the next few the, days the just face, na just naturally the yeah. face in the head you know what it is there's so many capillaries there's so much blood supply which is another reason why if you get the slightest little cut on your face it feels like you're hemorrhaging yeah because there's so much blood right all these capillaries yeah, sure. have you ever had a face injury have you ever been uh, cut 
I have. Other than shaving. I have. Yeah, I've had. Uh, well, it's anything exciting. Do you fall ever? Not a, not so much on, no. on my scalp. I've had, and there that yes. bleeds. Oh, like, that does. That well, bleeds a lot. Same thing. I got stabbed with a scrub brush that had been broken on the end because oh I gosh. climbed up a ladder. My dad was scrubbing the roof. He was always a do-it-yourself man. You know, Air Force. He's going to do everything himself. So he's up on the roof. He wants to clean the roof. He's scrubbing something. So I'm on top of the ladder because I'm the assistant. But my best friend is on the ground. And my dad says, I need that scrub brush, which, of course, had been broken on the end and was pointy like a knife. So I put my hand out and tell my friend to hand it to me because I'm reaching down from the ladder and then I'm going to pass it off to my dad, which would be the safe thing to do. She decides to throw it. Nice. Well, it goes end over end, and the pointy end ends up into my eyebrow. Oh, my gosh. And I mean my eyebrow, which is just above my eye. Wow. (laughs) And, of course, I scream because I'm, like, nine years old, and there is blood. It, It looks like someone scalped me. The blood is pouring down, which, of course, for a girl, makes you cry even more because you look down at your hands. (laughs) You you really would have thought my head was cut off (laughs) at the drama that occurred from that. And, yes, I was stabbed, and I did actually have to have stitches, um, but it wasn't too bad. It was a half an inch, three-quarters of an inch. Uh-huh. But now, it bled. Oh, my gosh. Now, if you're wearing goggles oh, or yeah. some eye protection. Like an eight- or nine-year-old is going to wear goggles. Well, uh-huh. see, <laughs> maybe true. it might be a good That's idea. That's true. And, well, I mean, <laughs> of course, it all depends on what you're doing. And what, well, what, I didn't what think the, the silly are. little girl was going to throw the scrub brush up to my dad instead of just of handing s- it to me. Ugh. See, accidents happen. Accidents do That's happen. That's the And so you want to prevent thing. Yes. some of them or at least a damage that occurs from accidents. Sometimes mm-hmm. you can't prevent an accident, but sometimes you can. And so it's important for you to make sure, stick with the eye protection. Uh, even if you feel a little silly doing it, you want to know something, you never know when you might injure yourself. So uh, true. Speaking of which, if you're in the yard, like your dad's working at the yard, in the mm-hmm. yard, uh, watch for low-hanging branches uh, before mowing the lawn, uh, lawn make sure, or, or the yard. Remove any loose objects that might be in your path. Um, make sure your kids n- never point a uh, garden hose right at somebody's face. That's another uh, thing. Kids wait, sometimes should we talk that. about what happened to my dad yesterday? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. yes. No. <laughs> my dad's in his 70s, but he's one of those people that just won't let anyone help him. He, has, he, he mows the lawn. He trims his hedges. He gets on the roof still, cleans things. I mean, he's just constantly in jeopardy of seriously like killing himself so he has some big trees cut down he decides to cut smaller trees what do you say they're about maybe six inches in diameter yes. so he's going to do that himself he had someone else cut the big ones he's going to do this my stepmom leaves the house so he's alone he goes out there and cuts the trees down but one of them after it fell got stuck somehow and he's pulling on it and it snaps up like a spring and pops him in the head now he's alone. Well, that's so the thing we with, show up at the yeah. house. Mm-hmm. What did he say? A couple, a couple, couple hours, hours later, later. Yeah. he seems lucid, but he's got oh, he's got a big swelling above his left ear. Yeah. He had a 
swell, got, a little accumulation of blood. That's called a hematoma. Yeah, he has a hematoma. And but you he have does, to worry about that. I know, especially at his age. He doesn't tell us what, what's wrong. He says, oh, feel this. So I'm feeling on his scalp, and I feel this lump. I'm like, Dad, what is this? So he tells me the story. And then it turned out the guy who started Fox News died yesterday morning. Yes. After having a head injury yeah. a week earlier. Yeah, he fell about a week so, previously, and then he finally died. So we're sitting here looking at my dad. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, Dad, at what age will you stop putting yourself in harm's way? And you know what? It'll be after he's dead. There's no way he's going to stop. He's just not going to stop. This guy is going to be in his 90s, and he'll be out mowing the lawn and trimming the hedges and climbing up on the roof and scrubbing tiles and trying to build things. He's just not going to stop. Don't you agree with me? He's a heck of a guy. Just, That's all I got to say. He's, he's one of those go-getters. <laughs> So I think so be that's careful, awesome. He doesn't wear contact lenses or anything, does he? Um, he used to. Uh, you know what? He had his eyes fixed. Oh, he like did. we did the LASIK surgeries. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Those had are a that. good idea, by the way. If you, if you he used are, to wear really thick glasses. Right. Well, if you have problems with nearsightedness, that is an eye issue that will affect your survival. Him and my stepmom Your chances had it for done. survival. Both of them. Yeah. Well, I think that is a wise move try to get your eyesight as as good as you possibly sharp, can sharp like as eagle. you possibly can right <laughs> like an eagle even if you're an older person it actually is it's a good thing you'll you'll have the eyesight of an elderly eagle but you'll still have the <laughs> eyesight of an eagle and also it, it, it prevents you from having issues with uh, losing contact lenses and also how many contact lenses are you going to be are you going to be able to stockpile right uh, breaking glasses things like that, how many uh, replacement glasses will you have and also from a infection standpoint or an injury standpoint people oftentimes injure themselves when they carelessly try to remove a contact lens or put it, or put one in and yeah. they scratch themselves with a the fingernail right. speaking of which keep your fingernails trimmed short especially for kids and 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 adult everybody really should keep their fingernails trimmed short otherwise you're going to wind up injuring yourself now some people think that having sharp fingernails is some kind of tool you know do you know that's a fashion sense now oh, I, is it really i've been seeing this. sharp fingernails i'm not kidding wow. instead of they used to be you know you really want to know this right <laughs> the shape of women's fingernails used to be square on top and round on the edges now they're pointing them it's hideous they look like I don't know. Witches, sounds yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> like Elvira. I think her nails Elvira. used to be shaped like that, pointy. Yep. Mm -hmm. They're awful. Oh, my gosh. I saw that on a young person. I'm like, what in the world are you doing? So, oh, my It's the my fashion goodness. sense. So, also, talk about po poking yourself in the eye. Can you right. imagine? But it's not just, not just actual physical trauma. You can burn yourself. You can have, let's say, grease splatter, as I mentioned before. So you might want to have a grease shield when you're using frying pan. Even even out, outdoors, you might want to have some way to prevent grease from splattering all over the place. So that's sort of important. Now, it's not just sharp penetrating trauma that we're talking about or burns. We're talking about maybe just even blunt trauma to the eye, uh, you know, a good sock in the eye, uh, or, or even simple actions like coughing or sneezing too hard can cause a patch of blood to appear in the white of the eye. Now, that's called a hyphema, a H-Y-P-H-E-M-A, a hyphema. It certainly is alarming to look at. I mean, you're seeing somebody with a bloody eye. But 
Luckily, most of the time, this type of hemorrhage is not dangerous and goes away on its own. But if the hyphema causes a an effect on the vision, loss of vision, things like that, there that's is cause scary. for concern. Right? Yes, that's that, very scary. And if it could be, you know, significant blunt trauma to the inside of the eye, that's bad. Then evaluate. You should evaluate it for foreign objects and things like that. But it could be something else. Now, if somebody has that, you want to keep that person with their head elevated to allow whatever blood there is especially that's maybe affecting your vision to drain to the lower part of the eye chamber and and that may help pre preserve uh, normal vision or, or res uh, restore a normal vision to someone who's got an accumulation of blood in the area where that they need to see from uh, cool compresses applying li applied lightly to the affected eye that's a good idea and so that is those are just some of the eye issues that you can deal with. I think we'll I know, isn't figure it, out some other stuff to talk about. Isn't it crazy how many things can go wrong just in one organ? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you just talked about the eyes for 30 minutes or so. Oh, my goodness. It's yes. insane. How many things can go wrong with our body? Right. but the Huge books are written, and they right. don't even cover everything. While at the same time, it is amazingly hard to kill us in most cases. I know. <laughs> Well, you hear people with all kinds of terrible illnesses and injuries, and yet and they recover. they're still breathing, or they recover from comas and terrible car accidents. The body has an amazing ability to heal, and of course, if you're spiritual, there's a there's benevolent providence there that may help. be yeah, maybe right. helping you. That's on the right. Way. Well, that absolutely, darling. Absolutely, well said. Hey, if you follow Jack Spierko's survival podcast, popular podcast, maybe one of the most popular podcasts on survival in the entire internet, you'll know that I and the lovely nurse Amy are part of Jack's expert council, and we do answer questions from time to time. And sometimes we find a question particularly interesting. We'll go ahead and also play our answer here on the Survival Medicine Hour. And we found one recently which asked about the use of TENS units. These TENS units are these battery-powered items that might be useful to have in your medical kit in times of trouble to help your people deal with things like pain from injuries. And so here is my question and answer from Jack's Survival Podcast. Hi, Joe Alton, MD here, also known as Dr. Bones of the survival medicine website, doomandbloom.net. Now with close to a thousand articles, videos, and podcasts, a thousand, wow, on medical preparedness. I'm also the co-author, along with my lovely wife, Nurse Amy, of the 700-page third edition of the Survival Medicine Handbook, The Essential Guide for When Medical Help is Not on the Way. This week's question for the expert counsel comes from James, who writes... With TENS devices, electrotherapy now available over the counter for as little as 30 bucks, can you please discuss how this can be used day to day and in an extended emergency as part of our medical preps? Also, are there any off label uses? Thank you, James, from behind enemy lines in California, but leading the resistance. Good for you, James. By the way, ignore the bird. There's a parrot in this room, and he makes noise every so often, so. Here goes. James, TENS units have been around since 1974, but most people really don't know much about them. TENS stands for Transcutaneous Electrical Nerve Stimulation, T-E-N-S, and is a type of therapy that uses 
low-voltage electrical current in a small battery-powered machine for pain relief. TENS units are about the size of a pocket radio. Usually, you attach a couple of electrodes. These are wires that conduct electrical current from the machine to your skin. The electrodes are often placed on the area of pain or nearby, creating a circuit of electrical impulses that travel along nerve fibers. The frequency and intensity of the electrical current can be adjusted, usually falling just short of causing muscles to visibly twitch, and sessions usually last about 15 minutes or so. When the current is delivered, some people experience less pain. Some people experience it during, and some people experience less pain after the actual procedure. This may be because the electricity from the electrodes, for lack of a better word, I guess, scrambles or otherwise suppresses normal pain signals. Some people believe that the electrical stimulation of the nerves may help the body to produce natural painkillers called endorphins, which may block the perception of pain. Several different types of illnesses and conditions have pain that might be treated with TENS units. Muscle, joint, or bone problems such as osteoarthritis or fibromyalgia may improve, as well as other issues leading to lower back pain or neck pain like tendinitis or bursitis. Some lesser-known purposes for TENS units, well, they include helping to alleviate labor pain, pain from TMJ, jaw pain, or dental procedures, pain near healing wounds, and pain perhaps from chronic non-orthopedic conditions such as even cancer. Some places not to place TENS units include on the eye, over an open wound, directly on the spinal column, near a pacemaker or similar device, over the carotid arteries in the neck, and directly on a malignant tumor. Indeed, some data suggests that it might actually accelerate cell growth. Like many other remedies, the hard data is sometimes fuzzy on how effective a TENS unit is, and the effects may differ from person to person. My advice, though, use all the tools in the medical woodshed. This is Joe Alton, MD, that old Dr. Bones, wishing you the best of health and good times and bad. Thanks for listening. Hey, do Nurse Amy and me a big favor by following us on Twitter at Prepper Show, on our YouTube channel at Dr. Bones Nurse Amy, Shut Up Bird, and our podcast, The Survival Medicine Hour at blogtalkradio.com. Hey, one of the scariest things that you might encounter in your role as survival medic is the broken bone, the fracture. Most injuries you're going to face are going to be to soft tissues, luckily, skin cuts and the like, but you have to be ready for anything, and sure enough, with enough trauma, you can break a bone. An injury to soft tissues can damage skeletal structure that's underneath, certainly, but when a bone is broken, we've got some major issues. Now, some of them aren't that major if the bone is not displaced and, you know, if your arm isn't at a 90-degree angle to the way <laughs> it's supposed to be. It may right. not be as big a deal, right. but sometimes you do have problems. There are a lot of different types of fractures, and you know that these days we use a lot of high-technology pins and surgery, surgical procedures and stuff to get you back to normal. You know, that's something that may not be part of the deal when there is a disaster that takes you off the grid, though, and you've got to be able to figure out what to do. Now, there are several types of uh, fractures. There are reduced fractures or a stable fracture. That's the simplest fracture where the broken, broken ends of the bone are pretty much right next to each other, barely out of place, and, and that's the one that's most likely to heal completely in a survival setting. But there are also other more dangerous fractures as the open fracture, otherwise known as a compound fracture. In a compound fracture, the skin is pierced by the broken bone or there's some other penetrating type trauma. 
The end of the bone may be just above the skin or it could have just as easily have popped back below the skin. So in other words, it may be showing or it may not be showing. It may have gone right back in. And that's not a good thing necessarily because whatever bacteria was on your skin is now in your body and in your bone marrow, no less. So that could be a significant issue. There's uh, the comminuted fracture, and that's where the bone shatters in several pieces, and that can happen with the skin uh, being cut or not. Uh, the skin could be intact with this kind of uh, injury. There's the oblique or transverse fracture where the line of the broken bone might be horizontal or at some kind of uh, oblique angle. There's the green stick fracture. If you took a, a green uh, branch and you snapped it across your knee, well, half of it might break one side of the bone in a green stick fracture will snap but the other side will remain intact similar to trying to snap live wooden to uh, there are hairline fractures where there's just a little crack that exists in the bone but no deformity at all and so on and so on well for our purposes today let's assume the fractures are either all open or closed and so a closed fracture, remember, is when there is a break in the bone, but the skin is intact, and an open fracture was when the skin has been breached. Needless to say, there's usually more blood loss and infection associated with an open wound. Uh, blood vessels and nerves, remember, run so close to the bone that they can easily be damaged if the bone is damaged. And uh, infections that occur may wind up being uh, in soft tissue or cellulitis, called cellulitis, could be in the blood, uh, sepsis, or, or septicemia, or in the bone itself, and that's called osteomyelitis. And all of these can be life-threatening if they're not treated. And certainly a, a closed fracture, if you managed it badly, you transported a person roughly, you could certainly become an open fracture as well. Well, di diagnosing a broken bone, that is pretty simple in situations where the bone is obviously deformed, but it could be very difficult, like hairline fractures, things like that, where you can't see it really unless you have x-rays, MRIs, or other advanced procedures. And these are great to have, but of course that technology won't be available in a power down situation where you are the highest medical asset left. But there are some ways to tell the difference. Now a fracture is gonna manifest with a lot of pain and inability to use the bone. Uh, for example, a patient can't put any weight whatsoever on a broken ankle. Maybe somebody with a sprain, might be able to put some weight, although it's painful, on the area. Uh, bo uh, bone fractures tend to be more pronounced in the amount of swelling and bruising. Now that doesn't always pan out to be the case that it's a fracture, but oftentimes if it's really swollen or it's really bruised, it could easily be a fracture, maybe more likely a fracture than a sprain. Uh, you may feel a grinding sensation when the broken bone ends of the bone rub together and if you press along the line of the bone as you get close to where the broken ends are you might feel a grating sensation or a grinding sensation now using a stethoscope while a tuning fork is placed on one end of a questionable bone injury and using the a stethoscope on the other side might also help figure it out if there's a diminished sound or no sound at all rising from the injured bone on the other side of where the stethoscope is as you're listening well that might signify that you've got a fracture going on there of course a deep cut in an area of the injury uh, is a very likely sign of an open fracture as i mentioned and this is going to sound silly to you but motion of a bone in an area where there's no joint well that's a dead giveaway there's a fracture if you're injured 
index finger seems to have seven knuckles, you're probably dealing with a fracture. Now, dealing with a fracture bone first involves evaluating the injured area for signs and symptoms, uh, like what I just mentioned. You want to use a bandage scissors or an EMT shears to cut away the clothing over the injury, and that will help prevent further injury that would occur if the patient was actually made to remove their own clothing and let's say had a broken arm that you might injure the arm further so it's important to to do to expose the wound check the site for bleeding deal with the bleeding certainly if that's happening uh, and see if there's an open wound of course uh, that that is the first thing you got to do now fractures can also damage the patient's circulation in the limb that's affected, so it's important to check the area beyond the, beyond the level of the injury for changes in coloration. If the uh, finger is turned white or blue, let's say instead of normal skin color, or if uh, you have to also check for pulses. Are the pulses strong and steady? Well, can you not feel the pulse? Well, you know that since blood vessels run closely to the bone itself, if the bone is snapped, well, you may have uh, injured the blood vessels as well. Uh, the way you can test is by pressing on the nail bed or on the finger pad and usually the when you press hard enough the color goes away it becomes whitish and then it go, returns to what its normal color is within a couple of seconds, two seconds as a matter of fact, of releasing it. That's called the capillary refill time. Not only useful in evaluating fractures but it's one of the three main things that you do when you come upon victims of mass casualty events. Now to find out what a strong pulse feels like, place two fingers on the side of your neck until you feel your neck arteries pulsing. You can do this action on the wrist right under your thumb. If the patient has broken their arm, you can do it uh, just at the level of the elbow, a little left of, uh, a little uh, towards the torso from the center of the, of the elbow itself, inside of the elbow. For legs, you will feel pulses behind the knee and on top of the foot. And what you should do is also check for nerve sensation. Nerves can also be injured. So you might take the tip of a pen and press on the same area that you do the pulses on with a safety pin to see if they have normal sensation. If not, you may have indeed a injured nerve. Now, if the bone has not deformed the extremity, a simple split will splint will immobilize the fracture. That's important because it'll prevent further injury to soft tissues and promote appropriate healing. There are commercial versions like the very useful SAM splint. Amy, you actually did a great job demonstrating a lot of different ways to Thank use you. the SAM splint in our recent class that we'd had in Kodak, Tennessee. And just for our listeners, personal use, there is a free SAM splint user guide. Just Google SAM splint user guide there's a 66-page PDF that will show you not only the official uses for Sam Splint, but some of the MacGyver uses for Sam yes. Splint. Yeah, I thought that was really very cool. interesting. And you, and you at the showed end. us that. And, uh, and <laughs> yeah, very. I think all of our very students. Cool. Really Everyone should have it. that guide uh, printed out if you have 66 pages of uh, blank, blank paper and lots of black ink, mm-hmm. um, and it's go. it's free. There you go. So you can use also Israeli battle dressings, ace wraps, uh, SWAT uh, tourniquet type dressings to stabilize these splints in place. Now sometimes, of course, the bone's going to be obviously bent or otherwise deformed, and you have to reduce the fracture, as we do with dislocations. Talked about dislocations a while ago. 
fractures are to reduce the fracture in other words to straighten the bone out it's going to be extraordinarily painful it's usually done under general anesthesia in normal times so what happens if something happens that causes a fracture on your watch and you're off the grid well normal healing and recovery is not going to occur until the two ends of the broken bone are realigned to their original position you've got to make a decision to do this quickly and it, because the area will increase increasingly swell as time goes on um, reducing a deformity that's best performed with two persons a sedated patient in some way one supports and provides traction on the side closest to the torso and supports that area the other one exerts a steady traction on the area beyond the fracture until the broken ends of the bone are aligned they may not stay aligned you may have to have some way of providing continued traction as they say so to keep those bones together while you're splinting them and mobilizing them and in place now there are risks to this procedure there are nerves and blood vessels that can be damaged but you have to remember normal healing will not occur in a deformed limb and loss of function is often the result and that's one of the hard realities that the medic faces in times of trouble uh, once you're able to reduce the fracture straighten the bones out splint the extremity in place immediately uh, if the wounds open if you have an open wound thoroughly wash that wound that's so important otherwise an infection is going to be a big problem you're also going to need antibiotics to prevent complications such as bone infections like osteomyelitis uh, and there are a number of different ones that we talk about in our book the survival medicine handbook um, we're not going to go into that because it looks like we're pretty much out of time wow great wow. job hon well <laughs> you still have a voice we just yeah well we <laughs> just amazing just got back from uh gallenberg tennessee we're glad to have been here for you and put out our show the survival medicine hour thank you so much for listening and we hope you'll be joining us next week that's right same time same station thanks guys see you soon You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week.